guys are barrels of fun. This is section 422. Welcome to section 422 podcast episode number 77. Derek Van Riper here with Will Salmon. The Brewers are a playoff team yet again in 2020. It's the third year in a row, first time in franchise history. The Brewers have made it to three consecutive postseasons. So on this episode, we'll discuss how they got there and what might happen in the wild card round series against the Dodgers that will get underway on Wednesday. Will, how's it going for you on this Tuesday? I'm doing really well, Derek. I'm excited for the playoffs. You say what you will about the 60 game season, whatever. I'm excited to see some of these matchups. You know, I genuinely am. I, I really am. Particularly like the pitching matchups. I mean, this is stuff that we haven't really been able to see all year. We've been really watching the same teams over and over and over, I feel like. And that part was kind of boring for a little while. And so now you get to see some different teams. Certainly for the Brewers, it's not the team that you want to see probably. But hey, (laughs) everybody else can enjoy it. I would say all roads to the National League were going to go through the Dodgers at some point. Not necessarily through Dodger Stadium, since we're playing most of these games at neutral sites after this wildcard round. But In a format where you only got to win two out of three games, anything can happen. It is a cliche. It is going to be said a thousand times between now and the end of this week when these wild card series come to a close. And even though the Brewers didn't play particularly well for any prolonged stretch this season, they're not playing particularly well here at the end of the regular season. It doesn't matter. It's an opportunity to press reset. You know, After the final game of the regular season Sunday in St. Louis, which was a loss, the Brewers watched the Padres beat the Giants, which enabled the Brewers to clinch the eighth seed in the National League, celebrated the fact that at 29-31, and 31, that was good enough to get into the postseason. They've got two days to kind of clear their heads and get after it Wednesday night. It's a late start. It's going to be a 10 o'clock Eastern start, so 9 o'clock here if you're in the Midwest. But it doesn't matter. Like, what happened before tomorrow does not matter this season. It is a totally clean slate. There are some major flaws, major problems, and the biggest one, I think, is Corbin Burns' oblique injury. Because if Corbin Burns were healthy, and in some combination you had Burns and Woodruff starting the first two games of a three-game series against the Dodgers, you'd feel like you've got basically a coin flip chance against them because Burns and Woodruff are going to be able to hold their own against any two starters the Dodgers throw out there, whether it's Kershaw or Bueller or Urias, you know, whoever it might be, like they can hold their own in that matchup. But it starts to break down pretty quickly because you lose the edge in starting pitching with Burns being down with that oblique injury. Yeah, and we still don't know who they're going to throw as we're recording right now. We know that Brandon Woodruff will get one of those starts, probably game two, because he pitched on Saturday night, and so just the rest would indicate that but it's possible he pitches on short rest and if he doesn't it's not clear who will pitch that first game it could be Brent Suter that would be my pick if I'm making a guess here and that would be okay for the Brewers I mean that's kind of their MO of what they'd like to do is make things very difficult to game plan against if they're not able to throw one of their aces so you know 
it is what it is. My question, I kind of go back and forth on how well do the Brewers have to play to w- to win this because they've won games and they've gone like back and forth with their record all year where it's like they haven't really played all that well, still won some games against teams that are decent to pretty good actually in some in some ways. And like you said, they've never played for a prolonged stretch of like great baseball. It's always been like they look great or they look pretty good one day, lose look good for two days, lose three in a row. So it's like I go back and forth on like how long they actually have to play well to, to actually advance here. And then the same at the same time, I'm like, okay, well, this is the Dodgers, and they've never seen a team remotely close to what the Dodgers are able to, 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 to put together as far as a lineup goes and who they're throwing for this matter. I mean, it's, Walk, it's Walker Bueller and Clinton Kershaw. So, I mean, that's that's as good as it gets, I feel like. I look at this team, this Dodgers team, and I do believe if you played a 200-game season, they would run away with their division just like they did in this one. They have so much depth. They have so much high-end talent. And yet, we're talking about a team that has fallen short in October at varying levels for the entire time this core has been together. They've been close. They've been to the World Series. They obviously knocked the Brewers out in the NLCS in seven back in 2018, so... Uh, the possibility of getting some revenge has to be on the minds of the guys that that played in that series and and fell just short at home, no less. Uh, but you know, you look at this this Dodgers team and you think it can go wrong in a very small sample. I mean, they had a series earlier this season, a home series against the Rockies, who are a non playoff team. They lost that series. Like it it happens. All it takes is one bad start or a couple of relievers being a little off or even just losing in a pitcher's duel. So I think we have to just look at this and say, hey, the Brewers made it and how they got here does not matter. And the fact that they got here in a season in which Christian Yelich has been merely an above average hitter and not an MVP, that's actually kind of a good thing. That's kind of a, a mark of just enough other people showing up at just the right times to get them there. If you told me that Yelich was going to play the way he played this year back in January, but you also said, oh, and by the way, the Brewers are going to the playoffs, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, obviously the goalposts moved a bit and more teams got in, but the fact that so many things have gone wrong and they're still here with a shot to eliminate maybe the best team in the league in this quirky best of three series, that's something to be excited about. So Yelich struggles like we never envisioned him ever struggling before but you also have Keston Hira kind of doing the same thing like who expected Keston Hira to uh, lead the league in strikeouts the way he has because you could point to his swing and miss history in the minor leagues and even last year for instance but I just don't think people expected him to swing and to swing and miss on pitches in the zone at the rate that he has nobody in baseball has missed on those pitches more than he has and so both of those guys were your top two hitters, and, and they both struggled so much. I feel like the emergence of Corbin Burns and Devin Williams and Brandon Woodruff continuing on his track, some of that could almost even things out a bit, maybe not completely, but somewhat just because of how great Corbin Burns and Devin Williams were during the season, that on the flip side, hey, we didn't really expect all that from those two guys. But all that to say, I'm with you. I feel like the the Brewers shouldn't be apologizing for getting in like they put it. Um, 
look, the rules were eight teams. They were the eighth best team, right? I mean, the whole league was, aside from three teams, it was pretty average to, to below average. Uh, there was a lot of mediocrity. People could say that that's parody. I don't, you know, they're, they're just a bunch of bad teams. I mean, a bunch of teams that just weren't playing very well. And so they were, of that group, they were the eighth best. I feel like it's, of all things, a raw deal for the Dodgers, if anything, to be that good and to have to play a team that really isn't as bad as their 29 and 31 record, most likely. I mean, you could say, hey, you are what you are at a certain point. I'm not sure if 60 games is that certain point. Um, now, their lineup isn't very good, the Brewers, but would they have won a couple more games? Would they have gotten over 500? Perhaps. My thing is just that they're a dangerous team to play in a three-game series because they're not afraid to do things differently. They have Christian Yelich. They have a pretty good pitching staff, regardless of being without Corbin Burns. And so I look at the Do- I look at this from the Dodgers' point of view, and I'm like, this is what you get for winning more than seventy percent of your games. I mean, like that's not that fair. Yeah, the teams that played really well in this 60-game sprint, this would apply to the Tampa Bay Rays on the AL side too, this is not an easy path to a World Series. For anybody out there who says, oh, this World Series, it doesn't matter, it's it's just not going to be the same with it being a shorter regular season, it's harder. There are more things yeah. that can go wrong for a team trying to win the World Series with more teams in and with this particular format. Let's take a quick trip down memory lane for a second. Game one of the 2018 NLCS, you might remember... Brandon Woodruff homering off of Clayton Kershaw in that game. But the starting lineup against Kershaw that day, Kane Yelich-Braun, Aguilar, Aguilar, Hernan Perez, Mike Moustakis, Pina Arcia, and then Gio Gonzalez actually took the ball for the Brewers. It's not that different than the lineup they're going to throw out there on Wednesday. It really isn't. Like I mean, you could say they haven't figured out first base, and I think Vogelbach's at least been good enough to kind of keep them afloat there. Uh, you mix and match a few spots. I mean, you're missing Kane, and obviously Moustakis is gone, but it's just not its not that different. You don't read through that lineup and go, yeah, the Brewers were just loaded that year. It's like, well, they're, they're a little bit behind where they were two seasons ago with offensive talent. But we've seen, think back of every playoff memory you've ever had. It's not always the superstars who show up. Like, my first playoff memory as a kid was the Braves-Pirates Game 7 in the NLCS in 1991. And it was, I think, their backup catcher drove in the game-winning run. And, you know, it was, it was Sid Bream, I think, who scored it. Like, those weren't the stars on that team, right? Like, it, playoff baseball is weird and fun. And I think people need to just lighten up a little bit and enjoy the fact that the Brewers still have games left. So I'm with you, man. I feel like every time... There, there's the playoff series. It, it lends itself to either these sort of heroes that we don't think of originally when we're doing all of our analysts on what will happen, what could happen, and secondly, it also brings along these younger stars and like it, it gives them that platform to shine. And you know, not for nothing, but the Brewers have a couple of those guys who uh, who fit in either of those umbrellas. So. I don't know. I mean, it's a great point. Anybody come to your mind as far as who's going to who's gonna be that guy for the Brewers if it, if it were to happen that way? Like, who's your pick? The weird thing about this team, and people have pointed this out on a few occasions, is that Orlando Arcia, while he's not light years better than he's been in the past, he's had a better year than he had last year, and he hasn't been in a massive slump. So, I mean, 
I think he kind of comes to mind as a guy that has had a few random spots where he's come up big this year. And I could see him from the bottom of the order doing a little bit of damage. The guy who I, I keep waiting for to just do something with the bat is Omar Narvaez. Like, the guy needs a positive moment with the bat at some point, right? It has to happen. Maybe it's a home run off of Walker Bueller for Omar Narvaez. Again, baseball is weird. Like, open your mind to the possibility that something very different happens. I mean, I also think about this team, too. Even though Keston Hira leads the league in strikeouts, he's got 13 home runs. He's doing damage when he connects. So it's feast or famine, but you only got to eat for two games to win a, a best of three series. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, that's That's been Keston Hira's profile all year is is either home run or strikeout i feel like it's very rare that we've seen those hits that almost became signature hits for him last year so i don't i don't know it's just a weird thing to detail for him and and i just to wrap him up i just don't think that we have enough on him yet to really say one way or the other who he is that's been my take as of late on that. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel like on, on Sogard, like Sogard's a, good, a great example of that. I mean, like Eric Sogard has had a couple of big hits when you least expect it. Uh, just based on the season that he's had, it's been nightmarish for him for for most of it, um, really up until recently where he's, he's gotten some numbers up based on a little bit more playing time. So, yeah, Omar Revise. I mean, I wouldn't be my pick necessarily, but uh, <laughs> I can see what you're saying. It's not me saying I'm out there, uh, you know, wagering a large sum of money on this happening, but I think gotcha. it's just that's how October stories go, and this, you know, the series could be could be played out uh, pretty quickly. But still, this is not as bad as it looks. Obviously, El Garcia hasn't been the player we expected, but sometimes it takes more than a half season for players to get going. And if MVP Yelich shows up for a series or for a stretch of a couple of weeks. He could carry the offense for a little while, too. And uh, there's just enough ways where it can go right that I don't think everyone needs to fixate on all the ways it could go wrong. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, as far as Vogelbach goes, he was a little dinged up coming out of the weekend. Is there any indication yet that he's going to be good to go for game one? My guess is that he'll play just because when we asked about him after the game on Sunday, David Stearns was saying, hey, I saw him in the clubhouse. He didn't seem overly concerned about it for what that's worth. Now, we spoke with Craig Council on Monday, and he was noncommittal about the idea of Daniel Vogelback being ready, but it just seems like he will be, uh, just based on everything that we've heard, and they're just kind of waiting for the 100% clearance on that. But he did. it, it seemed like he um, was favoring his hamstring after running a ball out. He was also hit by a pitch, so... Needless to say, you need that guy healthy, particularly against Walker Bueller, uh, a right-hander, a, a great one at that. You need his bat there, um, which is crazy kind of to say, but it's very, very true. So, yeah, he, they, they need him. Um, I am curious, just on the pitching side with the Brewers, how they will piece it together if they go with the bullpen game beyond, say, Brent Suter starting it. 
and the back end being, say, Yardley Williams hater. Like, say if Shooter gives you just two innings for whatever reason, maybe he's losing some effectiveness, um, gets out of a jam, whatever. Two, two, and you know, two and change. I don't know where they go exactly for the next three to four innings before you have to go to your best guys. Well, we saw Freddie Peralta for two innings on Sunday, so I would assume he's available right away for Game 1 on Wednesday. We haven't seen Freddie go more than two innings since August 10th, but it's the postseason, so you'd assume that if you've been going one and change or two, you could probably go three if you had to, right? So you could go Suter Peralta, maybe to get through the lineup the first couple of times, possibly get through six innings combined. It's hard to imagine a scenario in which they both pitch so well and are so efficient that they get into the seventh or beyond. But if you get six innings from those guys and you're still in the game, that's what you want, right? That's exactly the the puncher's chance sort of brought to life. Yeah. Uh, also, what I'm thinking, though, too, is, yes, the, there there are no games left if you lose them, right? But there's also no days off between games. And so I don't know exactly how that's going to play out for the Brewers' bullpen. You know, the assumption obviously is that they're going to throw Devin Williams on both of those games, and they're going to maximize what he's able to provide. Same with Josh Hader. That's clear. But what if it goes to a third game? Or, you know, like, I don't. there, there are some things to think about. And for me, I look at their bullpen, and I like it a lot, but... You know, we were talking a few weeks ago about the idea that they need somebody else to sort of emerge and step up. And maybe we were thinking it was going to be Drew Rasmussen for a little while. And then we considered the idea of, okay, well, maybe Corey Knabel could come back and look better and and perform better. I'm lukewarm on both of those guys at this point. Um, I like Drew Rasmussen's future, but he's had he had a rough week last week. And Corey Knabel... um, you know, it's it's still at a point where I'm not 100% yet fully committed on giving him the ball in a huge spot. Uh, one guy I do like nowadays is Justin Topa. I mean, that's a guy who, you know, I asked counsel about him just yesterday just because all of a sudden this guy has thrown seven games and it's only seven games and he hasn't allowed a run since that first game that he threw in his debut. He's striking out everybody. No walks. And it's like, it kind of crept up on me. I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> like, do you trust this guy? He's thrown seven games for you. What do you think of him? <laughs> I don't think they have the luxury of really wondering if that's good enough. I think they have to look at him and say, I agree. He's been better than Rasmussen lately, and that might put him ahead of Rasmussen in the pecking order. It's a really difficult decision to make. I don't think it's an area where. I, look, I love stats. I love analytics. I don't think they're particularly helpful with samples that small. You're going off very granular information, and it does eventually come down to someone or a group of someone's making a decision as to what they're going to do in scenario A versus B versus C versus D. I think the hardest thing about all of this, because of the Burns injury and having to do the most likely do the suitor plan for game one, is you do burn through more relievers in the first game. If you had a starter who could go six plus potentially in game one and you don't tap into as many of those relievers in game one, you can get a lot more creative in game two if you get that first win. I think having to bullpen it early when you're not going to have an off day, if you split the first two games and everybody's pitched at least one inning for the most part in those first two games, 
game three gets really messy because you got a lot of guys who are who are tired and you know maybe aren't used to going on three consecutive days in some cases. But nothing's going to be held back. I think that's that's obviously very clear at this point. And I'm with you on Topa. Like I, I think if I had to make a decision in a critical spot, let's just say it's, it's extra innings or there's some scenario in which I'm choosing between Topa and Rasmussen in a critical spot against the Dodgers, I think I'd go Topa first. It's not to say I don't believe in Rasmussen. I know he's had a couple of rough outings, the home runs, and Cincinnati in particular. Like That was a, a setback for him. But they, they may both have to get big outs. I mean, if the Brewers are going to go beyond the wild card round, they're both going to throw meaningful innings at some point this postseason. I think that's pretty easy to see at this point. Yeah, and I'd say that at least one of them is going to have to throw some significant, you know, get some significant outs in this series if they want to advance. Because I just, at first, I don't see them winning two games, the first two games. I see it going three games if the Brewers win it. Um, just, that's just my guess. You know, it's hard, it's hard to go on record saying the Brewers are going to sweep the Dodgers here. So let's say they go to three games, right? They're, they're going to need somebody like Justin Topa to get outs. Uh, you also may need somebody like Adrian Hauser, for that matter, to get outs for you. Um, I mean, we don't know if Brett Anderson's going to be available yet. He's their best option for a Game 3 if he's okay. We don't know what his status is with that blister. So if he's unable to go for you, I assume they go with Hauser for Game 3, um, which isn't a very enticing option right now. It otherwise would have been, but he's just had such a rough season. So that's it's either him or Josh Lindblom, right? So I don't know. There are going to be some some really hard decisions made as far as pitching goes, either during the series or for that game three, if it comes to a game three. One thing that's really weird about the schedule is that you don't have off days in the series, but you do have off days after the series. And I wonder if that's going to change the way that teams use some of their relievers. I mean, especially in potential elimination games, if you have a couple of days off for your bullpen to get healthy or for a starter to maybe come back after going two innings on their non-start day, I think that lends itself to some creative usage in those final elimination games. It's not like you're rolling from wild card series game three Friday to uh, LDS game one on Saturday. That'd be horrible schedule design. I don't think anyone would actually put together a schedule that bad. Uh, but the point stands like they're going to have to find a way to get outs from guys like Hauser, like Lindblom. Uh, Lindblom, you know, prior to the start in St. Louis during the weekend series or the appearance in St. Louis in the weekend series, had gone five in back-to-back turns against the Royals and Cardinals. Looked a little bit better, so I, I could see him maybe being part of the part of the solution early on. If if Brent Suter were to struggle, right? If if Suter were to I don't know, throw 30 pitches or something to get the first three outs and, and kind of just have a high-stress inning and the Brewers were still in it, I could see Lindblom coming in to have to kind of clean up for an inning or two before they start getting to Peralta and the other guys because you want to be careful. You, you want to make sure you have the right combination of pitchers left to get through game two. It, it's one of the more fascinating tactical decisions to make. How do you deploy your pitching in this postseason? As you look at the Brewers compared to other teams around the league, do you think this is a typical sort of situation? Like, Do you think this is a league average sort of bullpen in terms of depth? We know it's very good at the very back end, but is this a common problem league-wide that we're discussing? 
I feel like it, it, it could be, but I, I think the, the Brewers are in a better spot than most teams as far as their bullpen goes. Um, just because, like, okay, maybe the depth isn't there, but the depth isn't that bad. Like, they, they have some options with guys that they feel pretty strongly about. I mean, there's beyond just the tippy-top guys of Devin Williams and Josh Hader, they, they also have, you know, Eric Yardley is able to throw innings, um, Freddie Peralta. I mean, we're forgetting that Suter is part of that bullpen, uh, you know, and he's he's a huge piece of it. So, I mean, I, I think that they're in a totally different spot than probably most teams because I don't know how many other teams are entertaining this idea of saying, hey, we're okay with potentially our relievers throwing more innings than our starters in this series and that not necessarily being a bad thing for us. I mean, I don't know how many other teams you could say that for. Can you say that about any other team, like off the top of your head? I mean, I know we're not covering every other team, so maybe we don't know the, you know far more than I do about the ins and outs of bullpen usages, but I just feel like that's a weird thing to say about a team. I think the A's are the only other team that immediately comes to mind as having enough depth and having enough questions in the rotation where their relievers could throw more innings than their starters, and you could say that it's not necessarily a bad thing given the current state of their rotation. And again, that's the caveat here with the, without Burns. And Brett Anderson's got a blister too. Is there any indication that that's going to be a problem for Anderson if this ends up going three? Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier is that we, we still don't know. We still we still have no idea about his status. And that puts them like, – that's what I was saying about that game three decision. It, it makes it pretty challenging if, he, if he's not able to go for you because then you're left with you know, perhaps either Hauser or, or Lindblom and you just don't really know. Um I feel like my, my gut is is that he would probably be ready because otherwise they would have maybe shut him down already and we would have known that already about about him. So I feel like no news right now could be good news. But again, that's just that's just a guess. Uh, you know, we don't know how it's healed. Maybe maybe that's what's stopping us from. Maybe that's what's preventing us from not knowing. Right? Maybe they're not at a point yet where they could decipher uh, if he's ready to go. By the way, I'm just looking at a bullpen leaderboard, just team ERA from relievers. It's an amazing stretch at the top because the Dodgers have the best bullpen in the league based on ERA by a decent margin, a 302 team ERA. Next closest is Cleveland at 329. But that leaderboard goes Dodgers, Indians, Rays, Twins, A's, White Sox, Padres, Reds. So the first eight all made the playoffs. Cardinals and Cubs also up on that list at 9 and 10. Brewers are 11th. And they actually have a FIP that's better than their ERA, so maybe a little bit of bad luck sprinkled in there. So the first 11 teams on that leaderboard all made the postseason. The first team that didn't were the Royals, who the Brewers saw late in the year. Then the Astros, the Yankees, and Braves are 13th, 14th, and 15th. They all made the playoffs. The Orioles sneak in at 16. The Blue Jays are there at 17. I mean, it, it takes a good bullpen to make the postseason. I think that's a, a, a fair statement in just about any year. But I don't recall ever looking at the leaderboard like that and seeing all of the playoff teams basically clustered together and almost all of them leading off that top half of the list like that. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of something that underscores the 60-game season because the more volatile your bullpen was, I mean, and look at the Phillies, <laughs> the, the you know, one game or two games, you know, a, a blown save here or there, that's going to cost you uh, big time, and it, and it did for a lot of these teams. And so, yeah, that's something that I I wouldn't have necessarily thought of, but just in the context and from what we've seen, I'm also not surprised by it because 
that's the one thing that we've said about the Brewers is that their bullpen has been strong and it's the most unpredictable thing. And yet we had a really good idea of what to expect every single game from it for the Brewers. And I feel like that that's what's allowed them to get to where they are right now. Now let's sign off today with some predictions. How does this play out, Will? Are the Brewers still a playoff team? Are they still playing this time next week? No, I have them. Um, I have them getting swept. Actually, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm making a call on it, I have them getting swept. I uh, just, you know, Clayton Kershaw has been. I have an NL Cy Young vote, so I, I was watching a couple of his starts later on this year, like last month. Uh, you know, heading into the final month, and he looks so good at some points where I'm just like, wow, this is this guy's you know rediscovered some stuff. I don't know. And then I'm a huge Walker Bueller fan. I I, I just think that he's he's great and. This lineup, man, if you look at like what the Brewers are used to go, and I know they played the Twins, and, and the Twins are great. I know they faced the White Sox, but the NL Central lineup just do not compare to what this Dodgers team looks like. I'm sorry. And so could get could get really uh, – could get bad. I, I feel like the, the chances for the Brewers are better than what people think, and I'm saying that while also saying they're going to get swept, but um, – so I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if it goes three games. I would be surprised if they won the series, though, of course. But yeah, I just the star power on the Dodgers, man. I just I'm not I'm not betting I'm not betting against it. I think the Brewers get a win, but I don't think they can win the series. I mean, they they can win the series. I don't think they will win the series. I do think the Dodgers just having an advantage kind of in every corner of the roster right now is going to be just too much to overcome, even in a short series. But hey, I'd rather see them in a best of three than a, a best of seven because I think that does increase the uh, likelihood of something going the Brewers way it takes a couple of bounces just one one or two bad days for those starters for the Dodgers you never know uh, I, I like the Woodruff Kershaw matchup I think the, I think that's the one they're actually going to win of the two I'm more worried about the bullpen situation in game one because I think part of what makes the Dodgers so good is their depth their ability to throw a great lineup out there against lefties and then have the depth to pinch hit, make adjustments, and then bring in some guys off the bench who are going to be more capable against someone like Freddy Peralta, right? If you match up with Suter accordingly with your starting lineup, you have to start making those quick adjustments in the fourth and fifth inning. The Dodgers have the depth to capably do that. That's why I think they're so good. Uh, So I'll say Dodgers in three. Will says Dodgers in two. It's so weird to have series that could end in two games. Hopefully we never have this again in Major League Baseball because... It is complete chaos. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Section 422. You can find Will on Twitter at Will Salmon. I am at Derek Van Riper. And again, be sure to get a subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash 422. You can sign up for just $1 a month. Get all the Will's great playoff coverage, all the league-wide coverage we have. If you're playing fantasy football, if you're into Premier League soccer, you want Packer coverage, we have all of that as well. If you're enjoying the podcast and you're listening on a platform like Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a nice rating and review, please take a moment to do that. We greatly appreciate it. For Will Salmon, I'm Derek Van Riper. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, we're back with you talking about more playoff series next week from Section 422.